Tonight, we're relaunching the podcast to talk about creating content, horror movies, and hauntings with my favorite clairvoyant lesbian. Her name is Hannah, but you might know her as Hannah Series on TikTok. I'll also give you an update on all things haunting season, where I've been, where we're going, and all that is coming up. So turn off the lights, find a safe hiding space, and fall into haunting season's horror talk. Good evening, world, and welcome to Haunting Seasons Horror Talk. Before we plummet into our interview with Hannah series, I want to welcome you to Haunting Seasons' new show. It's called Horror Talk. It's spelled like the hashtag TOK because of TikTok. I've been so excited to start this new project, and it has been a while since this podcast has posted a new episode, so I want to start by telling you where I've been and what I've been working on. First of all, TikTok has blown up for me. It has become my main platform for networking, for outreach, for content creation, opportunities, and brand building. I've met some really, really cool people through Becoming Mutuals, and those are the people I'm going to be talking to on this show. If you're a longtime follower, you'll know Haunting Season dates back to 2013, starting out with writing and sharing original scary stories on YouTube, and then after that I did a podcast experiment, and then TikTok blew up. I've been on TikTok for more than a year and a half now, and at the time of recording this, I'm getting really close to hitting 350,000 followers. I don't even know what to do with that. Well, that's a lie. I know exactly what to do with that, and I've been working really hard. I've taken some time to write a really kick-ass TV pilot that we're hoping to shoot and shop around early next year. I'm currently writing a feature film that I'm hoping to crowdfund next year. I've got ideas for merch that I'm working on. And of course, I'm starting up my Horror Talk podcast today. This is episode one. And each episode, we're going to talk to a TikTok creator that I find incredible, who's working really hard to make content that people will enjoy, that you'll enjoy, that I certainly already enjoy. And these people might not be horror content creators. Some of the people I talk to make art. Some of them talk about music. It doesn't matter because we share a love of horror and we're going to talk about that and where it stems from. We're going to talk about real life paranormal experiences and we're also going to talk about making content and what that kind of lifestyle is like. The stressors of it and how we keep ourselves positive and get through every day. All that fun stuff. And then I'll always do a little intro catch up segment too like you're listening to right now and I'll talk about movies I've seen in the past few weeks maybe reflect on comments that stuck with me on TikTok events that I've gone to upcoming travel it'll be a way for us to bond a place where I can go a little bit deeper into my thoughts about things than the average one minute TikTok and hopefully with your feedback it'll evolve over time into something really special Okay, okay. I'm going on way too long here. Let's get right into the conversation with Hannah. She's a blast and you're going to love this. Okay, so as promised, I'm here with Hannah of Hannah Series, and we're doing uh, an interview here. We're going to dive right in. How you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> oh, good. Should I speak you know, in my NPR voice? Should it be like, hello, thank yeah, you, you for having me on the show today. We can do that, definitely for a second. That. So, Hannah, <laughs> I, can, I can hear too much of my own spit. <laughs> so, we met through TikTok, and you were actually the first content creator that I connected with. Like, not just, like, became mutuals, but, like, actually, we, like, got on a Zoom and said hi. Yeah. And I was so nervous. <laughs> Why were you nervous? <laughs> Because I was new to TikTok and like things were like kind of blowing up and I didn't know what it meant. I still don't know what it means. And and you were like, uh, let's hop on a Zoom and, uh, you know, do the old uh, communication thing. And, you know, I was just like, wow. OK, so you've got like, I think at that time, like five times the amount of followers that I had. And I was like, this is really cool. What questions do I ask? How do I interact with someone who's literally famous? So get out of here with that. Don't you dare say that to me ever again. No, but you remember because we we were on the call and you had to keep like helping me like calm down. 
because I was like so excited that I couldn't get words out, which is like are you every calling interaction yourself out for had. fangirling right now? I is was, but happening? here's the thing: it was like it was fangirling because of your status on TikTok, not because I knew a whole bunch about you and been, have been following you forever. I just was like, oh, this person's cool, and I really like their content. Cool, I get to talk to them. Whoa, they got a lot of followers, and then that made me nervous. And and this is like a theme in my life. Um, do you remember that? I do remember. <laughs> This is like a quintessential moment in your life when we talked on Zoom. <laughs> no, yeah, I do remember it, it that. Find the rest of my TikTok career. No, <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> I love Josh. His big break on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I remember that a lot. I thought it was really fun. I love making new friends, uh, especially if we could talk about like movies and paranormal stuff, and we seem to have a lot of the same interests. So I was like, yeah, why not give my phone number to a random stranger on the internet and <laughs> build some beautiful friendship i love it and it's been fruitful i mean like you came out here to la and and reached out and i thought that was so cool because i i am trying to do the same thing when i i travel a lot for work so when i pop into a city i want to be like hey who who here is doing the content thing because it's uh it's kind of lonely at times you know until you make these connections and actually interact with people yeah it is 100 always been my dream to be able to like send a message out into the world be like i'm in this city who wants to hang out? And like hundreds of people like message me back. I grew up, you know, I've seen that thing in movies where it's like, oh my God, we're here. Blah. And like instantly they're like, oh my God, let's do a meetup. Or like then there's like some crazy creator, you know, collab or something like that. That has always been a dream of mine. And I tried to make that happen with you, but you didn't want to drive an hour to come see me. An hour plus. It was like rush hour and you're like, okay. I'm staying at the I'm airport. I'm from Ohio. An hour is nothing. That's fair. <laughs> Everywhere in LA is an hour. But it was fun because I was thinking of you and I promised that I'd let you know if I was ever in your neck of the woods and I just happened to be. Yeah. Because we're yeah. friends. We're genuinely friends. I know. And then I was like, I'm going to be in Chicago. And you're like, that's like several hours away from me. <laughs> several states away. I'm like, well, I tried. So I don't know really about your TikTok journey. I know that you started like two and a half years ago with a video that was like, I have all these DVDs behind me, but I still just constantly watch Law and Order. Yes. And that video started with so like you started mid sentence. The very first video you posted on TikTok it was like, so. you know, <laughs> you like know as me. if like, hey, we, world, we're I'm, here I'm, now. I'm, you remember. <laughs> You remember. Can I tell you a secret? Um, and and you've gone from that video to having 600,000 followers. Tell me the secret. The secret is that was a Snapchat that I had sent my friends months earlier. <laughs> and I was like, what's funny? And I was just trying to test it out. Yeah. I was like, news to the platform. I was a YouTuber for 12 years before I was 12. a TikToker. 12 years. You can literally watch me grow up. I did too, and it was exhausting. You can watch me grow up online. I started making videos in 2008. Wow. I was 14. Wouldn't recommend it for today's children, <laughs> but I was a little bit reckless and hey, you know, now I'm internet famous, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, before I was just trying to figure it out, I was like, I might as well. I missed my opportunity to be a Vine kid. So I was like, okay, because I made my first Vine two weeks before it closed. And that was all the, was that all the way in back in, no, that wasn't 2008. So you were on YouTube first. Yes, I was on YouTube first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, YouTube, and then I tried Vine, and then Vine died. Imploded. <laughs> and so finally, I was like, oh, man, I got to give TikTok a shot. I just got to try it, you know, see what it's all about. So I posted some saved Snapchats, and it blew up instantly. Yeah. Like, I have never had a normal experience on TikTok. My first video within, like... 15 minutes, got over a thousand views, had 14 comments. I was like, oh, this is normal. Turns out that's not a very normal experience. I had a viral video happen like first thing when I started my channel. It was like five days in. I posted something about being a voice actor and doing a stitch voice, a stitch impression, because nobody ever likes it when you tell them, you know, I'm the bank lady voice. Thank you for calling. A representative will be with you shortly. No one likes hearing that, so they like the floor punch buggy. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Instantly, overnight, got like 1.2 million views. 
And it just skyrocketed from there. And it was wild that suddenly I was perceived by so many people. I think I hit 25,000 followers after like two weeks or something like that. Whoa. Yeah. And it just never really stopped. And I set the precedent very early on that I wasn't going to have a niche, that I wasn't going to, you know, focus in on one particular thing. Mm -hmm. My YouTube channel was a bunch of different mini series, character work, you know, sketch comedy, vlogs. I was mostly a vlogger, but I did travel vlogs. I did daily vlogs. Um, I had an international collab channel where we talked about different stuff. So I was used to that kind of format. And I was like, I can definitely do that on here. And then I made my channel absolute chaos, but it, it, everybody loved it. It was the first time that I could, I felt like I was being truly authentic to every aspect of who I was on the internet, which was like so freeing. I think that's it because I think a lot of people who want to create content, take a look at what other creators are doing and do their version of the thing that they like that other people do. And that very often I see leads to disappointment because that other person, like, for example, if, if someone were to do that to, to my content, right? Like I'm, I'm very specific. I've got my lights that I spent way too much money on. I've got my camera that I've spent way too much money on. I record my audio separate. I do lots of writing. I use a teleprompter, you know, and like I live in a filmmaking world. I have all of these resources at my fingertips and I do this for a job during the day. So it's easy for me to transition to it in, in the night. I don't really do it at night. I sleep at night, but you know, I, in my off hours, I switched to like all of this technology because that's my like home and that's where I feel the most creative. And while it took me a while to find what I wanted to do with my content, I think that part of me was coming through. And that's why I also had a relatively quick rise last year with my content, even though in the beginning when I was like trying to regurgitate stuff from my podcast, it was not doing well because that doesn't work. <laughs> you learn that lesson the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, I was new to the app. I was like, okay, I'll put some stuff on this dancing app. Sure. Exactly. That's, we had the same start. It was like, we just got to throw something up that we already have and see how it does. See what the vibes are. Yeah. See how people interact with things. Cause it is, it's so different. Audiences have immediate access to creators which is insane Mm -hmm. like it's insane if you think about it in any other context like i could literally just pick something that you say and make a video of it with almost no effort and that is crazy especially when you have low follower counts because you just see everything and i still everybody tells me i shouldn't but i still read every single comment and watch every stitch every duet i am very aware with what is happening in my community, because one, that's a good source for how to create new content, but also, you know, keeping people engaged <laughs> builds a very detrimental parasocial relationship, but also <laughs> makes them feel like they know me. <laughs> so I have several questions now from that last sentence. So every single comment, like how literal is that? Because you oh, have 600,000 followers and, and shit goes on on videos that you've posted nine months ago. How? Like where? What? How are you doing this? Because my whole, I had to, you know, like mentally detach myself and I'm at a place right now where I'm like, okay, for the first 24 hours that a video is up, I'm going to respond to every single comment. And then I'm going to go back and look at it a couple of times the next week and like try and do more comments. But then once it's past that week, it's like, I'm I'm never going back there unless someone ats me. You know, that's insane to me. No, I read. I it's it's quite literal. I read yeah, every like, single comment. I have read every single. What com- about five years from now, when you have two hundred thousand videos? Josh, I still read my YouTube comments. <laughs> Most of them are telling me that my videos are now on cringe compilation videos, but I still read those. <laughs> I think I did a. Re- I think the reason that I can do that. And like, especially being in the paranormal world, in the paranormal sphere of TikTok, Mm -hmm. it is hard. Oh, it's so hard. And it could be really, really bad on your mental health. But I think I've done a really good job from the get-go establishing what kind of community I want and curating the kind of conversation that is allowed in that space. 
And now everybody, the community, moderates itself. So I don't have to do a lot of it. Mm. So like if somebody comes in as being a dick, then they have 10 people who aren't my mods, are just random followers being like, hey, she doesn't allow that kind of like speaking. Let's, you know, get out of here. Like you're making this space unsafe. We're uncomfortable. You need to leave. How much explaining do you do to people who, because like, you know, I started painting my fingernails in January and have loved it. And I almost on like every third video, I get someone whose comment is, first of all, men don't wear nail polish. And, you know, like, fuck them. Exactly. And my wife is sitting next to me and she's like starting to erupt in the comments at this person. And my go to is to be like let's take a moment and sit with this for a second and, and say something back along the lines of like, you know, colors don't hurt anybody. And it makes me deeply happy in my soul to, to wear some extra color on, on my body, you know, and, and, and like try and make like a reasonable response to that person rather than be like, fuck you, get out of my channel, (laughs) you know, and block (laughs) them. Yeah. Because I feel that I feel that too, because I get ignorant comments too. If I post something uh, about anything socially relevant, about any kind of person ever, you will get a socially blind person being like, yeah, but the American flag doesn't have bikinis on it or, you know, whatever. And so I feel the need to respond to that person and be like, here's a very gentle reason why you're an idiot, you know? Yeah. And hopefully you learn something from my comment. And then if they're like, yeah, but, you know, gremlins are actually made out of, you know, embryos or something, you know, and then they get blocked or or people start fighting with them and I'm like that. So how do you deal with that kind of stuff? Oh, ever since I TikTok upgraded to the feature of being able to block keywords, oh, my life has been much nicer. I got to do that. I used to get called schizophrenic like 10 times a day and then I made a video talking with my therapist about how she doesn't think I'm schizophrenic and why believing in ghosts and seeing ghosts is a totally normal thing across all countries and cultures. And then still they're like, oh, that's just mental health issues. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But I think something that really helps me is having a, a seeing in my comments. And especially when I go live, I look for the people who are helping without being asked, who are doing the good work without having to be told. Kind people who want to make sure that everybody's having a good time. We're all kind of you know, in the vibe, but is also, you know, stern enough to be able to be like, now you need to get the fuck out of here. Like, this is no good to be able to call people out, but in a gentle correction kind of way. And I took those people and I made them mods. So now they are the leaders of my community and I make like a Christmas card with them. So everybody knows every, like every year they know who the mods are. I think I have like 12 or 13 right now. And whenever I deal with like a really bad comment and I'm like, oh, I just, I made a video response. I need you guys to tell me if this is too over the top. 99% of the time they're like, first of all, I love this for you. But second of all, <laughs> don't post that. <laughs> don't post it. And then all all of them will go and do the gentle correction for me so that I don't have to, so that I don't have to engage. Because I, you know, when people reach out like that, they're just looking for attention. They're just looking for you to be pissed off. And so if it's a man, I have men in my mod squad. And if they're queer people, I have queer people in my mod squad. And it's like, you know, if you're not going to listen to me tell you that you're being an asshole, hopefully you'll be able to somebody in the community or someone who looks like you to be able to yeah. c- help correct you. That's but great. I really don't deal with it anymore. Like, and if I do, then I gentle parent them. Oh, I love gentle parenting the haters. <laughs> it's so example. good. So like uh, your shirt is two shirts. Oh, I'm so glad you're interested in sewing. Yes, this is actually called a block pattern. <laughs> I think this is great. I had one guy try and tell me like, you're not, when my knitting videos were going viral. You're right. The hand you had crank that, like a, It was like a salad spinner for <laughs> yarn. <laughs> it's pretty good, yeah. But I was like cranking out hats and I had this one guy who was like, you didn't make anything with your hands. The real OGs, like, make it with their hands. And then, like, I just pinned the comment. Mm -hmm. And then everybody got to see it, and he deleted his comment. 
But every single person was like, what did you make? Yeah. And I said, well, considering I made a hat in the time that you made this bad comment, this mean comment to me, (laughs) I'm going to say that I had better use of my time. And I always love it when my responses, my gentle shutdowns, get like five times more likes than the original mean comment. Yeah. Because I think it's a responsibility as a creator to be the role model of the behavior you want to see. And so if I don't say like, fuck you, man, if I literally just do a gentle correction or I make a comeback and, you know, I never said it, I didn't have to say anything mean. I just say, uh, what we used to do in my lives, oh, one of the big things that we used to do in my lives is that if there was a mean comment, I'd be like, guys, hold on. We got a troll. We got a troll. Everybody, let's focus in. We're going to focus in on this right now. And then I would, I said, everybody say kind things to this person who's in a bad spot right now. Chat would fill with like, it's okay, friend, to have a bad day. Like, we're here for you if you want to talk. You know, I'm sending hugs your way. And then I would stare deeply into the camera and I would monologue about how we have big feelings and, you know, attention seeking this way. I I understand, but it's also not okay in this space. And I would just maintain my boundaries. He Mr. Rogered this person. Oh, I Mr. Rogered the shit out of this person. (laughs) And it worked so well. I never had to do it because then... Once that was established, then everybody did it all of the time. Oh, yeah. Like, even now, like, people will be like, friend, that's not okay. And they'll call each other out or they'll be like, let's do a nice chain in the chat. Yeah. And I think that's really great. Like, taking that energy, that angry energy, and reworking it so that it not only creates new content, but it also reaffirms the behavior of the community. And like, what's the expectation is so that that person feels isolated because they're not following the kindness. Like my whole channel is based on kindness and accountability for me too. If I say some bad stuff, for sure, call me out on it. There's been several times when somebody said, Hey, that's not right. And I was like, Oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. My bad. We're all learning all the time. Exactly. We're all learning. We're all evolving all the time. Why would I not take feedback? You know? I want to be the best person that I can be. And sometimes people tell you things that can help you do that. Did you feel like you had a community like this outside of TikTok, like Instagram, YouTube, any of that stuff? Or is this all stuff you've developed on the on the clock app? Did I have followers beforehand? Is that what you're saying? Or is it just the ide- well, ideology? Sure. Of no, but I mean like a community because, you know, I was on YouTube for two years and I had maybe maybe two or three people who would come to every single video and we'd interact and be excited to see each other. But for the most part, it was like kind of random or like not consistent enough that I could remember people. Uh, TikTok is completely different. I have I have a spreadsheet going of people that I interact with in the way that we're interacting. That's like 50 people long. And I only just started thinking about it that way like a month ago and made the list of being like, I want to remember people's first names. I want to not just call people by their handle when they pop up in my chat, you know? And um, I never, that that was never a thing before I got on this app. Is it, Did you have the same experience? See, I feel like you were on Corporate America YouTube. I was on OG YouTube. Like back when, like, videos were in four by three back when you know well it's true because when did youtube become a thing like 2006? uh 2004 2006 six? yeah i remember i was in college I, I you know and we were like oh there's this thing with stupid videos on it and now we don't have to go to like a a gif website in order to see exactly them. <laughs> exactly like no that was definitely the vibe of early youtube days like i'm mutuals with hank green and i knew him from early early vlog brothers days Like, I remember going to VidCon, like one of the first VidCons to meet him and like hang out and meet up with my internet friends who I'm still friends with, like to to this day, like 10, 15 years later. It's crazy. But that was definitely the kind of atmosphere and the culture around early YouTube, especially during the vlogger era. We all knew each other. We would all talk, you know, comments were much more there was a lot more interaction happening in the comments and 
literally if you just showed up every now and then like there's something and this still happens on TikTok. Um, whereas like there's people who I know follow me and I recognize their avatar or their icon or whatever their picture. Sure. And I know who they are and I'm like, Oh, this person, this nice person. Thank you. And it makes my day. I, they don't make content, so I don't necessarily want to follow them back, but I appreciate the recognizability where like, if they show up, I was like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? You're here. Yeah. And I feel like that was very similar to early YouTube where like we were all figuring it out. And trying to come up with how to create community and how to manage community was something that was brand new. Like YouTube was very innovative for what it was doing. And TikTok even now is incredibly innovative in what it's doing. Like I used to spend six hours editing a three minute vlog. And now I have one thought in the bathroom. I film it and then it's up in 30 seconds. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and and the new they just updated the editing in the in the app as well, and it's so much easier now to cut out pauses and and like really craft something on your phone. And even just a year ago, I was downloading apps like Splice, and I'm a professional editor and use software that is like way more complex, and I couldn't figure out Splice. It was like almost too user friendly or something like that because I've spent 15 years learning not user friendly software. But what they've done in TikTok right now, I, I think it just updated in like the last week or so. And you have like a little timeline and you can cut things and you can delete things and switch things over. It's so, so accessible. It's so nice. And I love how like, you know, I went to film school. I am also a video professional. Like I work at a production company. I make commercials and corporate videos is kind of like my my jam and I'm also a social media influencer which is like a weird thing that I have to put on resumes now but like also learning non-user-friendly editing software and having all of those production skills knowing that none of it really matters and you know the creativity comes from your authenticity and how you appear on camera like the most viral videos are not the ones that people are all dolled up they're where they're like (laughs) you know they're sitting in a dark room with like a high messy bun and a hoodie and they're like eating cheetos or something like that and like that it's like yes it's you have to be talking to a friend but i think incorporating new editing things is so fun and it's so fun watching people learn about transitions because you know that's something that we learned in like film school and stuff like that where it's like whip pans people realizing that you cut on the whip and like what the timing like that looks like when you're editing. And it's like, man, I spent so much money to learn how to do what this teenager figured out from the internet. (laughs) (laughs) And their little pocket computer. Exactly. And like the worst part is I never use any, I never use any sort of transitions on, I'm, I'm a strict like jump cut kind of person. I did it in a video like, relatively early on I was going to see it was like the first time I was going back to the movie theater and I did like a little jump transition because I had seen somebody else do it and the very first comment that came on that video was like oh we're doing transitions now and I was like oh I'm so ashamed like I'm (laughs) hopping on the trends (laughs) see that's what's crazy I very rarely do trends like I know how to do all this stuff like I just it doesn't interest me it's not who I am and I, I get that some people you know, really rely on trends or like trending audios. I think I've only ever lip synced once. And I got so frustrated with doing it in app that I literally was like, I'm just going to memorize the words. And so I remember it was like, I'm doing hot girl shit or whatever that one, that trend was. Mm -hmm. And I literally just filmed it, no audio. And it was like, I'm doing hot girl shit. And it happened to line up exactly and so I didn't need to do anything. But I like I filmed that later. I didn't film that with the thing. I have no idea how people are doing that. I don't have enough. I don't have a good enough memory to be able to do any sort of lip syncing. Yeah, same. But like I've never had none of my trend videos have ever blown up. If anything, like now it's kind of become a thing where I am starting to create trends, hmm. which is really bizarre. Like I never thought that I'd get to a point like that where people actually look to me for inspiration for content. I thought I was just part of the crowd, but turns out like when you get 600,000 followers, 
you're kind of noticeable. People like looking, yeah. <laughs> you're kind of noticeable a little bit. You're kind of a little bit uh, on a different level than some people. But I think that's, I think it's so interesting where it's like, I never needed to do anything like that. Like that's, that's what all of the, the videos say. That's what all the coaching says. Like do all the trends, do all of the trending sounds, right. use trending music, use the trending filters. But by the time they make the video to tell you to do that thing, the trend is over. Like I saw one the other day that was like, here's how you can get, you know, 4 million views on your video in 30 seconds. And it was like, just show your forehead and use this typing sound and write a block of text that's so long it takes three times watching the video in order to read it. I'm like, but yeah, but the first person who did that, it was really interesting. But I've seen that like 4,000 times on my feed. And I'm like, nope, too many words. I'm here to watch videos, not read them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. I And that that's brand content is so cringy because of that specifically. They don't get how quickly things move on TikTok. And I think that's why I've never been compelled to do a trend mm-hmm. because I'm like, by the time that it starts getting noticed, the trend will be over. Or by the time that it has reached my weird niche version of TikTok or like my For You page, the trend is over most places. So it's not going to do well anyways, unless I truly enjoy making something in that style or with that thing, then I don't feel the need to do it. Because like, and this is probably going to sound super arrogant Great. when I say it, <laughs> but... <laughs> But like I make viral content without having to do any sort of that just because of who I am, because I'm likable and I'm funny and I have great comedic timing and I don't feel like I need to pretend to be anyone other than me in my truest, rawest, authentic self. Like I've spent my entire life on the internet. Like I have chosen to live an extremely public life. So the things that I keep private are very private to me. Mm-hmm. Like but what? Can you go into detail? <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you know, that was that's always been a conversation that I've had to have like with friends or with partners. Like that was a really big conversation that I've had to have with my partner, whose name is also Hannah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that was like the very first thing that happened. Like our first date, we... She followed me on TikTok for like, you know, two months and she was interacting. And then, you know, we matched on a dating app. And she's like, is it weird that I know you from TikTok? And I was like, I don't know. Let's go on a date and see. Yeah. And, so, <laughs> and so we went on a date. And it was really good. And after I got home from my date, I made a TikTok about it. And it blew up instantly. Like, I think it got like 400,000 views overnight. And... I had to text her and be like, hey, so I, this thing. <laughs> I know we haven't had this conversation, yeah. but our story is now going viral. It has 15,000 views within the first 15 minutes of me posting it. So we should probably have that conversation soon. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you know, we didn't even know if we were like officially together or like I'm a U-Haul lesbian and she likes to take it slow. So it was like this, we were trying to find our rhythm mm-hmm. and, you know, it was COVID time. So it was like, what do we even do? How do we do that? Like my brother was living with me at the time. It was like, how do we do stuff? But then everybody was like really invested in our story. It got put on like LGBTQ reels and, you know, compilation videos. It went everywhere. And I was like, do you want to be tagged? Do you like, because if I tag you and stuff, people are going to go to your page and they're going to find you. Like I can't tag my mom in Instagram mm-hmm. because like people are going to be weird. Yeah. And so like I've chosen to live a very public life, but that doesn't mean that the people around me have also chosen to live a very public life. And so I just try to respect that as much as possible, which is why it's usually just me and I just stand in front of my movie shelf and, you know, I tell funny stories or tell jokes or literally so much crazy shit happens to me that I have stories for years. And I'm never worried about not having content because I can just make the content with it focused on me and that person that I'm with can film me doing that stuff. But it was like this whole conversation about consent and choices being made in life. And just because 
I'm on the internet doesn't necessarily mean that she wants to be on the internet doesn't necessarily mean that we should share certain things with the internet and just kind of finding what that balance was, was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like we started dating before I think I had less than a hundred thousand followers and it was before I started working on the, you know, working with the travel channel and, you know, doing collabs and, you know, <laughs> getting people to ask me to be on TV shows. It was before all of this. And we have check-ins pretty regularly where we're like, hey, (laughs) very weird and wonderful life, sure. But how are you feeling? Like, are you okay? Is it okay that I like tell this story or like that, you know, there's certain things that are expected. There's certain privacies that aren't freely allowed when you're a major content creator so it's like just because my privacy is being stripped away doesn't like how do you feel about that like if I have to go live in our living room are you okay with being out of the house or going off and doing something else or do you want to be in it and like how do we handle if people ask like you know what's the deal Cause when I, when I first joined TikTok, I, <laughs> I flirted with everybody. Oh my God. I'm such a big flirt. Yeah, why not? I literally just flirted <laughs> with everybody. And like, that was kind of my brand mm-hmm. where I was a smooth talking, romantic love poet. Late nights with Hannah Ooh. series. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the first series of mine that blew up was the X poem series where, you know, I told the story about. My Mamba number 5,000 days, which, you know, it was after my college sweetheart broke up with me Mm -hmm. by turning down my proposal on our four-year anniversary on the day that our lease renewed after I spent like 30 hours cutting together a video of all the footage we ever took together, had done camera tasks, asked her family, like whole nine yards. And so after that, I was like, maybe I'll give casual dating a go (laughs) because I'd never done it. And apparently I'm very good at it. Oh, my God. Sure, I can tell. It's so much fun. (laughs) I I dated 40 women in the span of a year and a half. And it was bananas. And I learned so much about myself and who I, you know, what kind of standard I was looking for Mm -hmm. in a partner and what kind of compatibility I was seeking. And I really sorted through some of my own issues. It's like, man, maybe I was a shitty partner you know? And it was a really great period of reflection. And, you know, I got to, during that period of time, I also wrote my first book and it was a a poetry series where I'd write poems about the girls I went on dates with. And I started saying like one of my exes found my TikTok and I was like, oh my God, I double dog dare you. Like if you, if you out yourself as my ex, I'll tell you if I, wrote a poem about you. And if I did, I'll read it to you. And so then like 10 girls came out, 10 women came out and they were like, where's my poem? And I was like, oh, big bet. Let's do it. And then I'd read it. And that was like the first series to really blow up. So I was known as kind of like a Casanova on the internet. That's so fun. (laughs) The ghost stuff came later. Like it was, it was literally just one day I was like, oh, you know what I haven't talked about? Ghosts. And then suddenly it took off. But it was like, before that, it was poetry and, um, you know, being queer and mental health and movies, literally anything and anything that came to my mind. But So do you consider yourself a part of the horror community on TikTok? I consider myself part of the film community. I'm not saying only. I'm just saying, do you consider yourself a part of that community? Do you interact with that community? Do you contribute to that community? I think I ask, I answer a lot of questions. I mean, short answer is yes. The short answer is yes. I love anything to do with movies. Like, I obviously love your content. I think it's great. And we could talk movies for days. Mm -hmm. I have enough of them here. So we could could just pick one off the shelf. (laughs) (laughs) From one of my 1,400 DVDs behind me, we could just pick one off the shelf and talk talk shop all day. But I think what's really interesting is people see that I am a filmmaker, video producer, you know, 
movie lover and also clairvoyant. And they're like, they, they try to vet me like, what is an accurate portrayal of a haunting? That's one of the biggest questions I get is like, how accurate is this? Sure. Because you've seen all real hauntings. So (laughs) (laughs) how are you supposed to answer that? Like, you know, I grew up in the Christian church. What's an accurate portrayal of a Christian? Exactly. And like people ask me, people ask me so many questions that it it's my answer is literally depends on the ghost. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, are are they mean?" And I was like, "Depends on the ghost." <laughs> well, well, are they tall? Depends on the ghost. Uh, do do they hurt you? And I was like, "So, ma'am, it depends I on feel the ghost." Like so- <laughs> It depends on the ghost. I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. But like people ask me all these broad questions and I feel like the the purpose of my content is not only normalized that like having this ability is fine. You don't have to turn it into a job. You don't have to like go up and be like, Mr. Police, I know who the killer is because the specter of the victim showed me. You don't have to do that. That's not a thing that happens really. Most of the time they show up and you're like, hi. And they're like, you can see me. Oh my God. And then they disappear. Like that is a majority of the the things. But not only normalizing that having this ability is something, but it's also basically just teaching people how to be kind people through the paranormal lens where they're like, how do I set boundaries? And I was like, well, you have to state them clearly and say them out loud and with confidence. I don't want you to do this. Please don't do this to me. And if you don't respect my boundaries, then you have to leave. You are no longer welcome in the space. That's literally how you set boundaries with people. Yeah. Or like Anyone how you have conversations with <laughs> and <laughs> Exactly. But like people ask me, you know, how do I tell some, a, a mean ghost to get out of my house? I was like, tell him to fuck off. You, it's, it works surprisingly well, the same as it does with people. Mm-hmm. Or it's like, how do I help a ghost move on? Or like, you know, any sort of thing where it's like, if you think about it as though it is a stranger, like, why don't the biggest question I get is, why don't you help them to the light? Why don't you make them go into the light? And first of all, I don't make people do anything that they don't want to do. Consent is mandatory in all aspects of life. So, like, they're a stranger. I don't know who they are. Who am I to tell a stranger what to do? I don't know who they are. I don't know what their story is. I don't know what they're doing. I just know that if they're here, that means they've had to endure huge amounts of trauma in order to stick around. And they're processing it. And as a person who has endured large amounts of trauma... I understand that a lot of times you just need a chill space to like feel safe in and maybe somebody to just give you casual company. Yeah. Watch TV with somebody to just like hang out so that you don't feel lonely. Like somebody be like, you're, you're okay. Like it's going to be okay. And like that in itself, like a, being providing a place of rest because processing trauma is incredibly hard work, helps them with the healing process and lets them move on on their own. I'm not going to tell them what to do. I don't, I don't know them. I don't know what their deal is. But what I can do is I can be a kind person and provide a safe space for them to process that and set clear boundaries that allow me to stay safe. When did you realize this about yourself, the clairvoyance like what, at what, like when did that start becoming part of your life? Like, you know, an aware part of your life? Well, I'm Catholic. So I spent every day of my goddamn life being told how cool it was to see ghosts and how a man came down from the sky sure. and how we talked to God and how like people coming back from dead and you talk to them and oh, you're a prophet. Oh, you're a miracle worker. And like, you know, the idea that of having hell, like heaven, hell and purgatory and, you know, having spirits and being helpful and treating people with kindness, that was all established. I, they, they told me it was a superpower, like every single day of my life that I was like special. And I was like, yeah. So I thought it was totally normal. I thought it was like, yeah, everybody does that. And it wasn't until like later when I started sharing stories, like in high school. Where people were like, 
you you can see ghosts and I was like oh can can you not do that uh but like I think I really started strengthening that ability when I was like nine or ten and like the first ghost that I remember seeing was top hat man and he would just stand in the corner of my room and he would just he's just an observer I never got any bad vibes from him but it's also you know a a scary man standing in the corner of my bedroom when I'm like nine years old and then he doesn't say anything and he just leaves that's weird that's weird and that happened for like 10 years that's crazy but like I found out that my mom can actually see spirits as well and it freaked her out so she turned off her ability Mm -hmm. and then my abuela also sees spirits and so it's like oh maybe it's just a thing that (laughs) an inheritable (laughs) trait is an inheritable trait but Like for me, it was never something that I was made to feel ashamed of because the people who were seen as incredible were the people with that ability. So it was never something that I felt ashamed of. Like nobody ever, I was in therapy for long enough that enough doctors had told me that I wasn't actually seeing hallucinations Mm -hmm. that everybody was like, well, I guess it's just ghosts then. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So what's your connection to horror movies? I guess before I ask my next question. Well, I went to film school. So every film student has to make some terrible indie horror movie at some point in their life. And I am no exception. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed it. It's called Hell at Heathridge. Was I was not about? set for it, but I was in charge of marketing. For that one specifically, it was like... There's too there's too many Josh. There's just too many that I've been involved in. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah it was fine, it was like college students being haunted at school, being forced to relive the the murders that happened at that school for Dear Lord. I know. They were staging the play <laughs> and God. then the poltergeist came and made it real. So <laughs> Yeah. We did a zombie movie. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got to have my eye shot out. Incredible. <laughs> I actually today I was doing a trailer for this show, um, like a visual trailer. And my editor was like, do you have any like of this? Do you have any of that? Like, do you have any photos from your roller derby days? And so I'm going through my Facebook, which I haven't been on in like maybe 10 years, like through all the old photos. And I found pictures of me like biting the zombie skin off of my arm and having it like stretch out and (laughs) good memories. What was the first horror movie you watched? The first um My parents made a terrible decision. My parents made a terrible decision. Yes. They, when I was nine years old, which is (laughs) is too young for anything, there was two movies that really stuck out to me because I have an older brother. So I was like, oh, he'll watch them and she'll also be there. And I was like, well, he's two, almost three years older than me. So maybe he's a little bit more in the age. Yeah, it's a significant period of time when you're nine years old. Like the, but they, my parents made a terrible <laughs> decision by letting me watch Deep Blue Sea. Oh. Scared the shit out of me. I had nightmares for weeks. <laughs> it was, I was like, I don't know who this man is, but he is 100% actually in real time, right before my eyes, being eaten by a shark. Is that the same Jackson And then like moment? recently. Yeah. And then recently I rewatched it and I was like, this is so bad. <laughs> this is so bad. Like, I can see the pivot marks. I can see the, like, in the editing where it's like, you can see every single thing where it's like, do, 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 do. And then, do, 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 do. so, like, oh man, it's terrible. It's, a, it's horrible. But the thing that really, really got me. <sighs> The first horror movie I remember watching, also nine years old. It was a really traumatic year for me. Um, <laughs> it was They by Wes Craven. They? They. I don't know if I know that one. So the premise of the movie. Because there's a there's a They that I saw that is giant ants, but it was it's like a black and white, like 1930s or something. No. You know? No. The premise of They is that children are abducted by aliens when they're very young. And they have a tracker injected into them. And you can tell that they have the alien tracker because they all have the same scar. Mm. It's, this, it's this very specific shape. And then when you turn 21 years old, the aliens or demons or whatever the fuck they were 
came to harvest you, and they could only operate in a pure darkness. So everywhere you went while they were hunting you, they turned out the lights. I gotta watch this. They, this like, sounds light, amazing. Light bulbs explode. It's so good. It's great. I have not watched it since. Um, so you have fun with that. <laughs> you haven't seen but... it since you're nine, but you're like, it's great. It's a great film. It's no. Very well made. Cinematography. I mean, the premise mm. thinking back on it might. <laughs> but the one thing that really got me is that there's this one scene. There's one girl left. Um, spoilers, I guess. I don't know. But there's one scene at the very end where it's the last girl standing. Everybody else has been turned into these blob creatures. That is the species. That's how they procreate. And it's in her closet and the door creaks open and you can only see the outline of a shoulder. And then the one light that she has left goes out. And the last thing that you see is her like being pulled in and slowly being taken over by the gray blob people. To be turned into the species. And as somebody who frequently saw ghosts standing in my closet, Mm. I wasn't really (laughs) stoked about that visual. (laughs) I don't think I slept with the lights out for like, until I was like at least 15. Like I could not sleep with lights on or with the lights out. Like I could not sleep in darkness. Could not do it. Still, now I don't like doing it because I'm like... (sighs) I got to be able to see all four corners of my room. I can't, I can't, I don't know. I have a weird scar on my, on my foot. Like, of course I do. Of course you of do. Of course I do. <laughs> this was premeditated trauma from my parents where they're like, oh, she has the scar. She has the scar. And so they made me watch this scary ass movie and make me be traumatized <laughs> for the rest of my life and be like, I don't know when they're going to be. I, I know I'm very youthful, but I am past 21 years of age now so when are they going to come get me do you ever see any ghosts that are shaped like blobs that are like kind of misshapen and and harken back to that original feeling of like terror before you shake it off because you're an adult oh yeah oh yeah. yeah most ghosts aren't put together most of the time they're just they're just like shadow creatures who are just like blobby outlines Um, And they just like slink everywhere. And then there's like, you know, there's shadow creatures, there's shadow people. It's a lot to do with the shadows. And so (laughs) like there's like smoky outlines um, and there's like non-human entities. There's like thought form spirits. All of this stuff does not usually look like a person. And so it's like, yeah, like the scariest thing. I would say the scariest thing that I've ever seen was probably like the insidious ghost was in my living room. But the second scariest thing that I've ever seen was uh, I would go to like this hookah bar and above the like kitchenette area in the back of the hookah bar, there was a giant smoke caterpillar demon is kind of like the clearest thing that I can (laughs) say. (laughs) Imagine the caterpillar from Alice in Wonderland, but like really demonic. That's kind of what we're dealing with. Oh shit. Where it had like the arms and the tentacles just like coming off of its head and it would just slink around and have you ever done mushrooms? No, I don't need to. I'm good. I I'm solid. (laughs) I've never done them. I've never done them. My imagination is like crazy. I don't I don't see spirits. I've had a few interactions where I have been witness to some paranormal events, but I'm not sensitive enough or I haven't opened that part of my sensitivity maybe to actually see anything, which I'm fine with. But I've always told my friends who are like, dude, you would love mushrooms. You got to do mushrooms, bro. I just always tell them I'm like, I don't know, because like my dreams are so vivid and so terrifying. I just don't know if I want that to happen while I'm awake. Yeah, I have I've had reoccurring night terror since I was very, very little. Same. So like I started learning how to lucid dream to be able to manage it because you know, like I, I'm not like super fond of watching myself die and experiencing death like every night because I'll have it several times. So it'll be the same dream and I'll basically mm-hmm. have a choose your own adventure where there's a, a moment where I have to make a choice and then it can shift the dream. And I remember, you know, having this dream multiple times and every time I'd pick something different until I got to the next step or I was able to stop the dream. And like, especially I knew I was in a night terror because the whole world is blue 
It has like a blue filter on it. Mm. Things that are going to harm me are, are red. And the thing that I need to obtain is gold. So <laughs> you, you have video games for dreams. I have video games for dreams. Yes, I, uh, my dreams so are M Night Shyamalan mine. movies. <laughs> mine, mine are like they're always terrifying, but they make absolutely no real sense. So, like the the one that I come back to all the time because it's the most ridiculous that I can uh, remember is um I had to I had to move pickup trucks across an Olympic sized swimming pool, of course, on my back. And inside the pool was great white sharks. And and there were several pickup trucks that I had to swim across the, the swimming pool on my back. I had another one, too, where there were like there were aliens that were taking over everybody's bodies. And the only way you could tell was if their eyes flashed a certain color. And it was gold, actually. Their eyes would flash gold and then a hand would come out of their mouth and rip your face off. I think I had like just seen the trailer for Alien. But in the dream, I was pushing giant cubes of butter that were like seven feet tall, <laughs> seven feet wide down the aisle of the church because that's how we were going to catch them. Ah, yes. The butter. Yes. Yeah. And it's and it's like it's so the situations are so dire and they're so serious in the dream. And then I wake up and I'm like sweating and screaming. And then I'm like, butter. <laughs> <laughs> See, all of mine take place in the same realm. So, like, I'll be I'll be dropped in a location where I already know where I am because I've had several dreams there. And then I will see my previous dreams happening transparently. So I know where I am. I could draw you a map. They all take place. They're all you gotta, connected. You, you know, write a book or, like, I'm you too, know, Hannah's I'm Realm. I'm too lazy That's to gotta write be a book. A ser- it's got to be – it's going to be your gunslinger series. It's going to be, like, 40 <laughs> novels long. <laughs> Because like each each dream has like a set location Epic. where it's at, and I can travel from like one dream to the next, yeah. And like be like, oh, I'm in this one. Like I know which dream I'm in, and I'm like, oh, this is. I remember what I did last time. I never think to like fly or do anything fun, but I do be like, <laughs> but I do remember. Oh, if I went down this aisle, like I get murdered, so mm. I better go check out like that other aisle or something like that. Like it's never anything fun. But the really beneficial part is knowing where those safe spaces are. It's basically mm. Inception. Like we're in my mind and there's a tree house and it is the safe space. Like I, no matter what happens. Until it unfolds <laughs> like a pop-up book. And <laughs> <laughs> But it's like these, re- I know where like I can navigate the neighborhood from within the dream. And like the craziest time, the craziest dream I ever had, it was like I was riding a bike and I was in this neighborhood and I was like, this something feels like familiar it, it wasn't quite right and i was with a, another person who was riding a bike in front of me but my bike kept breaking in the middle and i kept having to like put my handlebars back on i've like, had a dream like that and i was like what is going on like i'm glad i'm glad they got the nice bike but like what's going on and then i hear like come from behind oh, me and i turn around no, no, and i see no. the blue filter overtaking the world and i was like fuck so <laughs> i start pedaling really fast I'm like we gotta go and i tried to get us to like one of the the safe houses in this neighborhood and i wasn't able to make it but the person that i was leading there was so i had to basically watch myself be overtaken thrown into a night terror but have my other person not have to experience it which is like this is book one chapter one of hannah's realm <laughs> it's going to be coming to kindle <laughs> next year this time story. get writing <laughs> it's a good story it's great i can see it it's it's that's the that's the opening chapter and you, you just expect hannah to die but she actually that's how she gets trapped in the dream realm and then every night gets forced to come back and continue to avoid alleyways <laughs> it's very <laughs> russian doll it's it's kind of like yeah. what that is where like you're like i know what all of this is happening like i know what this is i know Okay, what did I do last time? And you have to like just break it down. Or it's that split second where you finally realize which one you're in. Like, it's crazy. It's crazy. My dreams are bizarre. So if I'm not careful, I'm going to end up talking to you for four and a half hours and my editor is (laughs) going to kill me. So I have a couple of rapid fire questions here at the end about content and stuff. How did you not expect us to talk for like an hour and a half? I know. I know. I'm capping (laughs) it. I'm capping it. And we're going to come back and we're going to pick up wherever we pick up because it doesn't matter. Beautiful, healthy boundaries. Yeah. 
So here we go. Are you ready? These yes. are fast answers. What have you learned during your journey so far? I have learned during my journey that if you really allow yourself to be genuine with your audience and make content that you like, not necessarily something that has to fit into a niche, but stuff that you like and that you would want to watch, other people are going to appreciate that. And that's the kind of the best way to grow your audience is to make content that you yourself like for the sake of because you just enjoy making it. Like you don't, it, it, once you start to feel obligated to make stuff, that's when you should take a break. Yeah. And then you're going to find your people that way. Not just a bunch of random people that are like, I genuinely, I generally like this. It's going to be people who are like, your old friend, yeah. my friend. And also you, you definitely need to trust your intuition when it comes to making content. Like if you feel like that series is done, even though it's still going really successfully or something like that, it's okay to switch up your content. Like you it's your are, content. it's your content, it's your space, it's your channel. Like you don't, you're the leader, you're the role model of your channel. You're the only thing that makes your channel you. So do what you love, do it when you want to make it, and don't get hung up too much on the numbers. What keeps you going and keeps making you create content? See, if I wasn't posting videos on the internet, I would just be saying them out loud to myself, and that just doesn't seem as fun. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Most, like, the things would be said and recorded no matter what. It's just, I basically use TikTok as kind of a way to catalog everything. Just have a, a documentary of my life in short form video. Because I want something to look back on. I want to remember what I was like and who I was. And it's it's also become, like, really important to me now that dementia runs in my family. Mm. And, you know, we're... I mean, we're having to face our mortality every second of every day with COVID, but being able to just chronicle my life and have people enjoy me doing that just for me has been a really wonderful experience. What do you wish the average viewer knew about you? I don't do readings. <laughs> Quit asking me to do readings. I don't do it. I got to be there. And then the ghost will be like, who are you? And I was like, I don't know. Who are you? And they're like, I don't know. I was like, great. We're two people who don't know who each other are. And now we're here in this house. Can you stop being That'll an be asshole? $50. And they're like, fine, I guess. And like, that's, it's so dumb because like literally if you take a step back and you put it in the context of you interacting with a person, the same rules apply. Like. You don't need to be clairvoyant. You don't need to be sensitive to the paranormal. You don't need to have all these tools. You need to be a nice person with firm boundaries and self-respect. That's, that's it. That's all it takes. What do you wish the average person knew about content creation? Oh, that's a hard one. Honestly, if it doesn't bring you joy, it's not worth making. Like, make whatever makes you happy. And it doesn't need to be high-end. You don't need all of the lights, as I say, as I'm sitting in front of like six different lights. But you don't need the lights. You don't need the equipment. You need you. And the, peop the thing that is going to draw people to your stuff is you. So like, don't sweat it. The production value helps, but it's not critical. Most of mine, I just... I film in Snapchat and then I save them and I post them to TikTok or I film them in TikTok. I don't, I have a hundred thousand dollar education of how to do professional video editing and, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of film equipment and editing software, but I literally never use it because it takes away that authenticity. And like in the age of like so much of being bombarded with, with fake authenticity true authenticity holds way more value yeah are there days that you want to quit there's not days that i want to quit if anything there's days where i realize i need to take a break and i need somebody to be like just steal my phone because it, it is hard yeah what do you do for your mental health because this it does take therapy. a toll <laughs> yeah no that's yeah that's great nothing I to went laugh to about therapy. I, I went to therapy i made sure to reestablish my support system there was a, a long period of time where I just didn't I just didn't talk to people and then I realized no I have to lean on my friends mm -hmm. like I have to widen my support base 
you know, I'm experiencing all of this stuff. And there's still times where I don't feel like people get it because their experiences are very different on the internet than mine. Like my friends, I'll be like, oh, that's crazy. Like, I'm on a podcast. I'm being interviewed for a podcast. Or, you know, somebody sent me a thousand dollar Roomba. And, or like, you know, my video has like nine million views. That's really hard to relate to and to give commentary to when you have no idea what that experience is like. Like, I get like 3,000 comments a day and I read every single one of them. And it can be really overwhelming. But, Making sure to have check-ins with people has really saved me when it comes to, you know, my mental health. But especially my my partner, she she definitely is like, okay, maybe you need to stop. Yeah. And she's like, I'm, Time she'll to go to the tell park. me when she's concerned. Yeah. She'll, she'll, she'll take me to do something. Or she'll be like, let's do something else. Because, like, it's it's the Wild West of the internet. Yeah. All right, last question. If you, money's not a thing, can snap your fingers and do exactly what you want to be doing tomorrow, what, what is that thing? I want a car within five years of the newest released model. I want it to be an SUV. I want it to be a Honda. And I would like some money to pay off my student loans. And I want to go on a vacation where I don't have to answer emails. I love it. And that is, <laughs> I have <laughs> I want a, uh, I want a, an apartment that the rent doesn't get raised every year. Preach. <laughs> like, these are the saddest dreams. <laughs> these are the saddest dreams. I would like a house with a backyard oh. so that I can have a dog. But like, I honestly, like I'm living my best life. I am living my dreams. I work for the Travel Channel. That is That was like part of my career goals for ever since I was little. And... Like, to make a movie, done it. Be a professional voice actor, done it. Be, you know, a ranked athlete, an award-winning athlete, done it. Be an award-winning poet, write a book, done it, done it. I've never met a dream that I was too afraid to try to achieve. Because why not? What's the worst that can happen? So, Hannah... Get that backyard. I'm working on it. I just got hired at a new job. I'm working on it. I'm saving go. up money. <laughs> but the, the downfall is I'm in Ohio. So. Yeah. But as we've discovered, that doesn't really mean too much. Yeah. You know, it's not like putting a giant barrier in front of you, achieving being a poet writer or a voiceover actor or a filmmaker, a wildly popular TikToker, you know. Yeah. Like so Ohio's I mean, Ohio. Ohio's I, Ohio. That's if anything that's what we can that's the big takeaway from today. Even is that if Ohio you're is in actually Ohio. Even <laughs> even if you're in Ohio, you too can make your dreams come true. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and for everybody listening, please go show some love for Hannah. You can find her content on TikTok under the username Hannah Series. And I'll have links in the show notes below. If you like these conversations and you want to hear more, the most helpful thing you can do is subscribe to Haunting Season right here where you're listening. If you have time to write a review, that helps with the ranking and getting the show out there. I'm on Apple Pods, Spotify, Stitcher, a bunch of other places. If you want to watch my short form horror movie reviews and other generally spooky short form content, you can follow Haunting Season on TikTok. Every follow gets me closer to being able to make bigger and bigger content for you. It's all for you. And one last thing, if you're interested in hearing my original scary stories, I do a lot of things too, Hannah. Um, 360 degree soundscapes, you can find them in season one of the podcast or on YouTube under the same name. It's haunting season. It's all haunting season. Links, of course, in the show notes. Mm-hmm.